This is CliffCentral.com. Good afternoon. Welcome to Opinion Booth with myself, Sonia Booth, and my guest today, I know for sure, is going to give me a six pack from laughter and lots of laughs. Aloha, everybody. I haven't, I haven't even introduced you. Oh, okay. So, so, who, 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 so, so why, why are you forward? No, I'm excited. I'm like, I got popcorn. Okay, so Tabo. Sir Bluebird Mafisa. <laughs> Do you have any other names? Like, no, what, what no, does no. your ID say? You know what? My ID, like, my mother's like a girl from Guadalajara, so she's like a proper country girl, you know. Mm. So, like, Tabo, you know, because I remember at that time, Tabo was a popular name, like, mm. so I think that was her vibe. And then she went and got me the most country, country second name, Aubrey. Literally that vibe So I was just like Yo mama like Aubrey So luckily <laughs> In my family Everybody's very liberal Cause <laughs> You dying at this name Aubrey Do I look an Aubrey even yeah. But I, I, no, no. I, I hope Aubrey is not no, in your ID. Like, like when you went to home affairs, I hope you, you omitted. Do you know, that. like when I got clever, like when you know when you go to like school with the white kids, yeah, and everybody starts like finding out what their name means. You know, like yes. Michael, it means like one with the stars or something like that. So I looked up what Aubrey meant. It's like it's Germanic for ruler. So it's like actually. It goes with me. I'm mm. quite like a leader vibe. I tried to sell it, but nah. Mm, nah, I mean, yeah, you're trying to convince <laughs> me, but I'm, 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 no, I'm it glad. never worked. Never worked. I'm glad, and you shouldn't actually have mentioned it's, it's, yeah, uh, that, that you were named. So, Tabo Bluebird has a better ring to it. So now, okay, Bluebird. Yeah. Is is it safe to say you're a Twitter addict? No, it's not even from Twitter. No, Bluebird has been around way before that. Mm-hmm. So, Tabo Bluebird. Um, there's this French play. Um, it's also it's a ballet. It's also a play. And my dad took me to go see it when I was little. And because my dad is like very like into the arts and books and stuff like that. Yes. So he took it and it was called The Bluebird. And it's literally about a play where this fairy, her daughter is sick. And her, her daughter is sick because she's unhappy. So she goes to these two kids and says to them, I want you guys to go find the bluebird because my daughter is sick. And the bluebird is a bluebird of happiness and go make her happy. So these kids can on this adventure, no Amaya. They go, go, go for two years looking for the bluebird. They don't find it. They're just like, yo, you know what? I'm heartful. I'm go home. I'm, I want to go home. I miss my bed. <laughs> so they're missioning back home. As they get back to the house, there's the bluebird chilling outside the house, living its best life. And the moral of the whole play was that happiness comes from within and you don't have to go far to find it. So Tabo Bluebird, Tabo means happiness, so double dose of happiness. Because I generally believe that everything I do has to come from a place of love of happiness or else I'm going to suck at it. I mean, you, you, you look happy and content. I mean, your skin, <laughs> your skin. I, I mean, sure, you, you, I think they'll see you when we take oh. pictures and get them uploaded on social media and the, the website as well that you, You've got baby skin. Oh, <laughs> my mama's always, when we were little, my mama's obsessive about our skin. So she always used herbal products, organic stuff that should make it home for like herself. Because my mom, like, she's very fair and she had freckles. So she was always uh, like, had a fear that one day we're going to get freckles as well, you know. Uh-huh. So she always did all these home remedies for us to help us out. And Which stuff. are the best, actually. It is the best. And the organic stuff, that's always she did with us. Exactly. Even when we get sick, she goes, she's a nurse. But she goes organic first before she gives us like Western medication. 
So, I mean, talking about skin, what, what's up with you and this uh, hatred for Vaslap? Ah, oh, no, I cannot have a Vaslap on my face. Like, one thing, I, the things about Vaslaps, they collect dirt, you know. Vaslaps have, like, your excess stress on them. They have, like, you know that poverty cabbage you had for lunch on them. You <laughs> what, know, do you, like, what do you call it? Poverty, poverty cabbage. cabbage. You know, like, I love cabbage. Does oh. that mean I'm poor? No, 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 no. Sonia, as a black person. Johanna Fodin. As a black person, you know that when cabbage smell in the house, you know what was going on. Papa drank all the money. Or mama, like, last money was stock failing. Something about that vibe, you know. <laughs> cabbage was not something you, like, go home and you get happy to eat. Mm. Okay, I, 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 I still love cabbage. Oh no! So I'm, Cab- I'm, I'm not going to be persuaded by you. Johanna Fourteen is my favorite. My worst experience with cabbage was when my stepdad made cabbage, and then he put um, sausage in it, and then he put can, uh, canned fish, canned oh, fish. Oh, because my mom was in hospital in one pot. In one pot. <laughs> One okay. day we came home from our bougie white school. You know, hong hong hong. Like, hi dad, how you doing, dad? I cooked. We're like, okay, this is a surprise because my mom was in hospital. Yeah, giving birth to my little brother. So we're just like, okay, chilled. We get them. I stepped and made this monstrosity. My little sister called my mom. Mommy, we couldn't eat this. I don't know what daddy put in the pot. And my mom was so upset. She's like, yeah, this shows what kind of woman that you're cheating on me with. Who feeds you this? Uh-huh. <laughs> and he never cooked again for us. Oh, uh, shame, man. Yeah, but I hope he was not offended. Oh, you did not offend him. No, my mom is a, my mom is a com- comedian. Like, she used to always play pranks. I learned how to play pranks from my mom. Like, my stepdad, we passed out. We take newspaper, put it in his mouth, and then she'd light it. And I'd be no. standing there scared. And then when he like jumps up, she start laughing. <laughs> she always played pranks around the house. So I think I got my sense of humor from her and my grand as well. Like, yo, my grand's tongue. Like, she's quite sharp, eh? So my grand is another person I think I like got my sense of humor from. You are very sharp. That's that's <laughs> that, that, that that that's why you're here. That's why you're here. So now, still on Twitter. Yeah. What is your opinion, your opinion on this uh, trend whereby personalities and influencers ask for a number of retweets before committing to something? I mean, I remember seeing a couple of weeks ago a music producer yeah. ask for 40,000 retweets before committing to a collaboration. What, what's up with that? Um, this is obviously something that I'm not aware of, of this trend happening on, on Twitter. What, what is your opinion on that? My thing is that if you are someone in a position of power... And there's someone, especially if it's a creative collaboration. And like, if I say I have to, let's say I hit you up. I'm like, Sonia, I really enjoy your show. How many retweets for me to be a regular guest on your show? You saying to me, get 10,000 retweets. I get the long-term investment in that. If I'm able to get that uh, those retweets, I'm able to create an audience for the both of us when I come into the show so that whatever product we're collaborating on together, at least it gets some form of hit. Also, from the beginning, if we get social media to back us up, to if, especially if it's like a creative process where you need public support, if you get the public involved and they feel like they're part of it, I think that's a great initiative. But when it comes to helping someone out, like if a young person says, listen, I'm looking, Sonia, I'm looking for someone to be a motivational speaker at my school. Can you come through? That's not something I feel I'd want to do for retweets. Rather be like, yo, sure, tell me when, what date, this is when I'm available. I'd be glad to do that, you know. If it's something which is something which, like, doesn't take a lot from you. Like, if someone had to ask for, like, yo, Tabo, how many retweets for us to, like, have lunch? For me, it depends on the context of what this lunch is about. Like, if you're just going to be, like, doing snacks things, like people's dads, no, like it's not happening. If it's literally about your 
mentor, let's share ideas, let's work on this thing together. I'm like, I'm going to avail myself and let's do this, you know. Yeah, and I know the tweet you were referring to um, <laughs> regarding a personality that was asked um, to be a motivational speaker at a, at a school. And, um, I mean, you just retweeted it. I didn't see whether you commented or whether you responded uh, because I wanted to find out, um, you know, where, where you stand in that. Because as you've explained that if it's a collaboration between a music producer, for example, and a DJ who wants to be featured, because I know uh, Euphonic or somebody else did it yeah. a couple uh, early last year. Even Casper uh, did really it with Leanda Mafanya where she wanted to cook for Casper. And Casper was like, for this many retweets, I let that happen. In Casper getting Luanda to get retweets, that grew her a lot because it helped with her blog. More yes. people found out who she was, yes. and more people got interested in who Luanda Mafanya is and what her food is about. You know, yeah. so th- in that term, Casper helped her out also in the same way because he knew Casper. Like, you know what? I cannot hire this girl full time as my personal chef, but what I can do is help her out and. Give her some form of exposure and get more people to know about who she is. Mutual benefit. Exactly. Okay. So now, have you ever seen a tweet and instead of retweeting, you posted it on your wall as if it were your own? Otherwise known as plagiarism. You know, like, here's a th- I've, I've come across tweets where I found really funny and maybe the account is private, so I can't retweet it. So I'll screen grab it and then I'll post, but then. I will always keep the person's handle in there. Yes, yes. I'll never like go take someone else's tweet and then pretend like it's my own tweet. So that you appear as clever. No, no, that's silly. Like that's so stupid because it's just Twitter. Like, okay, fine. I, I get that it's not just Twitter, but at the same time, it's just Twitter. Um, Mel, Mel Bala experienced the same thing with the pictures that she took, um, during Mama Matigazela's uh, funeral. Yeah. I don't know if you, uh, if you saw those uh, pictures. Um, she, she, she went on, uh, the Bears and Adir off ramp. Uh-huh. And when the, when the cortege left yeah. from the stadium to go to the burial site in four ways, she, along with a lot of, uh, uh, reporters and cameramen, photographers, videographers, I mean, from all over the world, cause yeah. I mean, the media was, um, all, all over. uh, capturing all this, right? Especially yeah. the, the, the final day of the funeral. So she stood on, on the actual bridge and underneath that, there was a cottage, obviously, uh, with um, buses full of VIPs and close family and friends heading towards the burial site. And she took the most amazing pictures. And if you remember that afternoon, it's, it's just started pouring. Yes, I remember. So she posted with a beautiful note to go with the pictures as a farewell to Mama. Yeah. But a lot of people went to Facebook and shared the pictures without mentioning or crediting that they got these pictures from her. Yeah. And I remember responding or, you know, one of the comments was that there's no harm in you either screen grabbing that picture or that tweet or retweeting it, obviously, without cutting out her name so that, you know, because a lot of people make it out as though, you know, I'm, I'm so I'm so amazing. Yeah. I'm so talented. I took these uh, amazing pictures and people don't realize, you know, that uh, plagiarism is not just about the spoken words or the written words, right? You know, with images on social media, it kept, it gets quite tricky because uh, you'd have images or pictures of someone and where the people are using it as a meme. And do we now, every time we use that meme, do we credit the person who took the picture of that meme? The same thing with, especially with 
events, public events. If we think of public events, the reason why hashtags exist is so that when you're at a public event, we can all find each other, yes. share images, and the content is there. And the thing about platforms like us, such as Twitter, the minute that you put your content there, you lose copyright over it. Mm-hmm. Unless a big publication uses it without your permission, that's when you can be like, you know what, pay me. But I know that the common average Joe from Nongoma, if he sees that picture and he likes it, he's going to be on like, oh, Ziawala, you know, I was there. Like, and then hashtag, and he's done, you know. And Mel can't catch feelings about that because she's not a photographer. And if she was a professional photographer and it's her job and it's her living, I'd be like, baby girl, you know, I can understand my heart to drop into my uterus. But if it's just something <laughs> like, <laughs> like, did you, you just know? say your heart will drop, drop into your uterus? No, I'll just be here. I'm just like, yo, Kunzima, like somebody call somebody. You know? Like, I'll be selling you and like, call a man. You know, I'd be there. Who deals in months upon a time. Exactly. Those are the lyrics. I'd be that girl. Like, I'd be there. Like, if I was a professional and someone is out there writing my work, it's on. Like, it's on. Uh, so now I want to hear about Tabo, the toddler. Yeah. Tabo, the teen in high school and your varsity days. You know, I... I had like a very, so many different chapters of my life because I grew up very conservatively. So I was raised in a Jehovah's Witness family and my mom was like, I was practically most of the, I spent most of my childhood with my gran and my gran is a staunch, like hardcore Jehovah's Witness. Like went to meetings every Tuesday, every Thursday, Sunday, Saturdays, you knew you did full service, you know. But for me, I loved growing up as a Jehovah's Witness kid because I felt so protected. And I'm grateful for it, for all the years that I spent as Jehovah's Witness because I also felt so loved. But also I grew up in a big bubble because in high school, I never really, like in primary school and high school, I was never one of those kids who were ultra exposed to like being naughty. I was literally like the exemplary child in school, like the quiet, quiet, kept quiet. I'm the one who used to bring teacher flowers. I was like the ultimate suck up, you know, like in high school, I had... Full colors public speaking, full colors debating. I was deputy head boy. I had half colors hockey. I had marriage scroll for drama. So I was very, I got very involved when I got to high school and I was very like bossy, of course, you know, like I remember I had an incident where in the bathrooms, in the girls' bathrooms, I was in, I was in grade 11 and in grade 11, that's when you have to outshine everyone to make sure that to become a prefect, you know, and I wanted to be the head boy. So I smelled cigarettes in the girls' bathroom. So I went and I got a bucket of water. And I went to the girls' bathroom and I saw smoke coming out of one of the stalls. So I just took the bucket and I put it over the stall. And two girls came out screaming, ah, what are you doing? And I'm like, what are you guys going to do? I'm going to go tell Dr. Homer on you. I'm like, for what? What are you doing in the toilet? What did I, I, I saw smoke. I thought the toilet was on fire. <laughs> you know, <laughs> I was that guy. Like, oh, wow. like during my breaks, I would have my Bible and Bible scriptures sharing with other kids, you know. And when, like, I heard someone's mom has passed, someone's family's ill, I'd be the one who'd come with the Bible, Bible scripts, and share with them, like, no, Jehovah got your back, brah. Like, <laughs> don't worry, you know. Like, <laughs> Jehovah got your back? Yeah, I was like, I was that guy, like. But at the same time, my biggest struggle was with my sexuality. And growing up, I kept thinking to myself, you know what, I thought all men are attracted to men. And only weak ones give into it. And I thought to myself, if I stay dedicated to Jehovah God, one day he'll take it away. 
And when I'm in Paradise Earth, I'll find myself this beautiful chick, you know, just like cure the gay. We're going to live our happily ever after with our 2.5 children, you know. Like, I already named them, like, my beautiful, like, well, precious, you know, like, well, we need, you know, like, I already had my vision of my kids. And then when I got to varsity, like, after second year of varsity, because my, now, my whole life also, I've always been the big guy. So I played rugby first team in high school. I played rugby in varsity. So I was always like the rugby boy, you know, and also it's like a pretty, I'm a pretty boy, you know, like with the dimples and the girls like, Hey brothers and like my sisters, you know, and I was that guy on campus. And then after second year, yo, the gay kicked in hard. Like I just couldn't avoid it anymore. Just like, Hey, Coco, you know, just like, Oh, we're like Coco, you know, you know, like front opposite Coco to just there <laughs> to just not go away. So yeah. Then when, Coming out of the closet for me was one of those things where it does not even by choice. Literally, one day my uncle was like, they called the family meeting vibe. And you know, you see everyone is there, your cousins, your aunts, your family, just like, hey, this is so nice. What's going on here? You know, and I'm from a Jehovah's Witness family, so everybody's conservative as hell. So when we there, my uncle's like, listen, we call this for you. I'm just like, why? It's because I'm such an overachiever. I can go this, you know, living my best life. And my uncle's on some, are you gay? You know that moment that everybody's staring at you in your family? Just like, yo. And I was like, yes. And then we're like, okay, cool. We love you. We're so sorry we never made it easy for you all these years to come out. You know, I'm shocked as hell because I'm thinking... Maybe there's like a pot of water boiling, but don't chase or something, you know, because like my family is not about this gay life. So I'm just like, what? I'm so shocked. My uncle just like, yeah, bro, we love you. No one's going to give you tr- uh, problems about it. I'm like, okay, it's chilled. And my biggest struggle though, this time, like I still have a girlfriend back at varsity. Now that my family knows that I'm gay, how am I going to come out to my girlfriend? Because now I need to end that, you know, so I can live my best gay life. But I got around that. And ever since then, like, it's been so much easier for me just being myself and being able to do anything that I want to do, you know. And also not holding myself back because after that, I felt like for the longest time I suffered from depression. But then after all of that, I just came into being and then I've been the happiest person ever. You look happy, (laughs) as I said already. So now, are you still involved in the creative uh, industry, fashion, to be precise? You know, that's my... We, we first met in the fashion streets, yes, you know, yes. when I was interning for Dr. Precious and I was busy like running around sorting seating for you guys. Fashion is like my first love, but working, when you get exposed a lot to the South African fashion industry, it can also be quite disheartening. And I went from working with Dr. Precious and I got to understand the behind the scenes of putting fashion shows together, you know, and also the intricacy of what fashion designers go through. And then when I got to work with Sashi Naidu as the creative director of a modeling agency, I got to understand also about the making of a model aspect of fashion. Okay. So I was looking at like the making of a model aspect of the fashion industry and it got quite tricky for me and I got to see like fashion in South Africa is, it's a very privileged space and not everyone has access to it. And it's also still have a long way to come. And for me, when I sort of like, I, I got into, I was doing a lot of styling as well at the time while I was working as a model agent. And I was like to myself, I love fashion, but it's not the industry that I thought I was going to grow in, you know. And that's when I started pursuing TV. So when I started, I shot my first TV show. I was doing a sports show on SBC One. It was called that other soccer show. 
And that was like my first proper TV break. And before then, I was like a steamroll ambassador. So I was doing all these ambassadorship stuff and I got to do the soccer show. And I was like, okay, cool. I kind of get it, um, just of the show. And then Lorna invited me to be part of the hostess. And when I got to do that, that's when I was like, okay, cool. I actually enjoy TV. And I got to do the intern with David Clale. And then I was like, okay, cool. This is where, where I want to go. But being able to do fashion and TV when I was doing the intern with David Clale showed me that Nothing about fashion. Fashion is a very diverse field. It is. And it's not one thing and it's not this one idea. Yeah. And it's allowed for me to also realize that I've got advantage on different aspects of the entertainment industry in South Africa. And that's going to be my tool. No, mm. it's not a hindrance. And the knowledge and fashion is like, I love fashion. Like I'm one of those people who, when I first thing I wake up, I check out fashion blogs, latest fashion news, you know, business of fashion. I go online and I read about it, but I could know that I can still incorporate that in part of me. Moving more towards TV now. So now I know you have an opinion on uh, Zara copying Macross's designs. Please share. I do. One thing that one thing that I always I find I'm, I'm always I find curious about South African social media spaces or what the so-called Black Twitter is that um, multinational corporations have been doing this for years. We have brands like Zara and H and M who go and higher factories which violate human rights where they have child working children working in sweatshops women who are basically working in slavery making these clothes that they make and then multi these multinational corporations they mass produce these clothes when they're done they come and sell them and then whatever doesn't sell it's not like they're going to give away to charities or to uh, underprivileged countries they literally go to landfills and then they throw that those clothes in there which Ruins the environment even further and continue to pollute the environment. My thing about H Zara doing this to Amakosa is not something new. Zara has been doing this for years for uh, to a lot of independent emerging fashion designers, and I find it weird that South Africans are upset about the Makosa thing. At the same time, I'm also shocked by the people who don't care who are saying that uh, Laduma has not made his clothes available. Um, to the South African market. So Zara has done that. Latuma is a South African individual fashion designer. And Zara is a multinational corporation. Making clothes for them is so much cheaper. And the conditions that they make clothes in are horrific. As a South African fashion designer, Latuma, when he's making his clothes, he has to observe the South African labor laws at the same time whilst making a quality product, you know. And that's the truth of it all. Like, at the end of the day, People also don't take into consideration also what it takes to be a South African creative. In South Africa, your story of you walking to auditions, you eating three meals uh, a week, um, you not knowing how you're going to pay your rent, those stories are only interesting when you've made it. While you're in the process of making it, no one cares about that. And the minute that you share that aspect of your life with people, oh, you're boring us, you're not a celebrity. People are now like, Laduma, yeah, you're representing South Africa. They don't know what it took for Laduma to just wake up and to say, you know what, I'm going to commit myself to being a fashion designer because in reality, South African designers are poor. Like, South African fashion designers are starving. South African fashion creators are starving. But him putting a price and actually wanting to protect his work and make a living from that, people don't see the value in that. And I, whenever I see something by Laduma, which is, Priced for socks that are 400 rands I'm not looking at socks that are 400 rand I'm looking at his passion His dreams His sacrifices 
and not here to give up just for those socks to be hanging in a shop to have a tag that says 400 Rand. Hmm. Okay. Wow. Because I was about to say that, you know, um, we're obviously talking about this because I think uh, Tebe is the one that um, posted um, the pictures of the yeah. items that were ex- exact copy. Mm. I mean, you're talking about the socks and his signature item, which everything, is the cardigan. The coloring, everything. E- everything, pattern, everything, everything. The only different thing would, would have been the, the label, right? So I knew, we, we know that Tebe Igalafeng is a branding mm. expert. I mean, he, he understands not just personal branding, but uh, how brands get to be and how they sustain and elevate themselves. And he posted appropriation or Appreciation. The thing with Makosa, the trickiness about the brand is that we can relate the net to how, you know, how the colonizers came with that and the Kosa people, you know, how the, 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 the print. Yes. How like it was adapted into Kosa culture and he made it his own. To a degree, this is, here's the thing. Appropriation always happens with the West. But there's always such a thin line within the fashion industry. <clears throat> Sorry. I don't remember properly, but I remember when Gavin Roger, there was a time when Gavin Roger was accused of stealing designs. Yeah. And I had a conversation with Craig Jacobs and he was telling me that there's a certain percentage in fashion of, like, there's a certain, like, if you, there's like a sort of small percentage to prove that something's been copied because nothing's original in fashion. So the idea is that everything's inspired and nothing in fashion is original. It's about someone just repurposing it and also reselling it. And at the end of the day, Zara has done this many times. If Laduma had the capital to fight them, he could probably get away with it. Because I've seen many articles on fashion law where independent fashion designers from the U.S. who have the backing were able to sue Zara to stop with uh, copying their designs. Mm, okay. But it's also the, the, Here it's about It's a money game At mm. the end of the day Like if Laduma has the time And the money to fight them He has to Or he has to decide now This is what Zara is doing I have to evolve past this And how do I do that? And then of course He's going to be copied again I mean there's no There's no stopping that And fashion One thing you have to understand About fashion That it's ephemeral Like nothing in fashion Is forever Nothing lasts Every six months Of your life As a fashion designer You are tested about your ability and your creativity. Like no other job, you, you get assessed every six months and you're about getting something which is really wonderful. To, an, to a degree, I feel like Laduma has been doing the patterns for a while and maybe this happening could be an opportunity for him to be like, you know what, let me explode into something else. Okay. Like, because the fact that this is going to trickle down to Zara from mm. Zara is going to go to small street. And then every Tom Dick and Harry is oh. going to be wearing mm. it. And the thing about a brand like La Duma's Amakosa, I think it's establishing about African luxury because brands like Amakosa, it's about the, the man went all the way to Parsons to go learn and understand like the work that he's to make his work better. And he wants to create African luxury. And I feel that, this work, the minute that his stuff starts trickling, starts trickling down, he has to adapt like most international designers and he start looking to accessories. He's like, you know what? So that the common man is able to have access to my things, let me make accessories which are cheap and affordable. 
And then the rest of my clothing, I can still keep that luxury status. Look at brands like Gucci, Louis Vuitton. Most people can't afford the clothing, but they can afford the shades, they can afford the belt. And that's what most people go and buy. And that's what they make money from. And the fragrances as well, you know. Hmm. Point taken. So now you've already mentioned that you did the behind the scenes uh, presenting the intern by David Lally and you are now co-presenting with Lona Maseko yes. on The Hostess. Yeah. I mean, I'm a fan of that show. <laughs> it's a brilliant, it's, it's so fresh an idea. It's so fresh a concept. And you and Lona, I mean, <laughs> you, you guys are, you, you both crazy. David like, always says like we belong in a mental institute. You, uh, yeah, uh, mm, you said it, not me. So now which of the two between David and Lona, uh, you know, has more diva tendencies? Definitely David. Like they, they, you know, most people assume that being a diva or I don't even call it a diva, like, David Lyle is David Lyle. Look at Kamara Kerry goes to the park in a gown and heels to go push the children. That's David Lyle. Like, I don't even think David Lyle sleeps in pajamas. Like, I'm sure David sleeps in couture. Like, I've never seen David out of place. Like, David is an essence, you know, he's an experience, like Coachella. Like, mm, he, and I love Yeah, that. like, he's an experience. Like, David is like one of the, is a constant. And the thing about my lawns is that, Lorna is one of those people who she can eat maguena, le acha, and snook fish with her hands at the same time be able to go sit on the table with the queen and, you know, and have her have a caviar and have all her scones, um, with cream, you know, and her tea. <laughs> okay. if, if only there was video, you know, people to see. <laughs> Which, I'm a very expressive person. It's, no, but it's good. It's good for TV. I think your your energy is needed for TV. Like I said, it's refreshing. But I just really, really next time I'm going to bring a, a camera and I'm going to invite you here again for part two. So now I've already mentioned about you know your partnership, you and and Lorna and the craziness that you are. I mean, you and Lorna. Yeah. Are what corruption is to politics. <laughs> you are so ungovernable, right? I mean, some of the things that come out of your mouth, you know, is, is the show scripted? No, like the thing about it is that it's literally, they put us on set. They're like, okay, cool. This is what you guys, they'll give us treatment of this is what you guys are doing. And then go. Then they just shoot free range, you know. There's sometimes when there's some things they're like, oh, no, you can't say that on TV. <laughs> <laughs> and we're like, oh, we have to change. Because literally it's about us feeding off each other's energy. Yeah. Like also because Lorna is very sharp, you know. So I always, I'm, I'm always have to be ready. Like, oh, you, did you just say that? Mm, girl, I got you, you know. Like put my weave in a band. I'm like, okay, let's go, sis. Like it's always literally energy between us. Like. Mm. If it was scripted, I don't think we'd be able to pull it off. <laughs> mm. No, I, I believe you when you say yeah. it's not, it's like, not uh, scripted. It's literally like tongue in cheek. Because that craziness can't yeah, be scripted. No. Even it's, like, it's not possible. It's like Lorna breaking out in song, Jay, randomly. Or me breaking out in song. It's one of those things and that pl- just and comes to tell you. Her, please tell her not to attend singing. Oh, yes, yeah. <laughs> just, I, I love her, but singing, mm-mm, mm-mm. It's a favorite thing to do. No, no. but no, but it's torture. I, I enjoy watching the show yeah. until Lorna starts singing, you know. <laughs> <laughs> then I have an earache. <laughs> so now, you and Lona are tasked with a, the planning of Beyonce's soiree. Oh. Yeah? So where do you host it? And what's oh, wow. the theme and what's on the menu? Okay. Well, I think like for Beyonce's soiree, I'd, I'd want it to be very exclusive, right? So I guess I get to invite 30 of like my favorite South Africans. So I have it at like Chefston Gardens so that as everyone comes in, they cascade over like, maybe you can have like flowers that are shaped like bees. They're just cascading all over that as you walk in. And then, you know, Chefston Garden has this 
beautiful like chandelier looking roof vibe thing and this gorgeous garden so the garden where the grass is i think the the grass will turn it into like what is like orchids like the grass has to become orchids there's anything of metal concrete it has to be covered with orchids and then of course everything has to be crystal clear like see-through and everyone has to be dressed to death um dress code has to be like mad gala you know like yeah mad gala definitely Ooh. Oh my God, I'm getting so excited. <laughs> <laughs> like, I'd have like both Trevor Stillman there. You know, Gabby is like taking pictures. Both Sonia Booth got the legs. Oh my God. Oh, but I know like, I'm talking about like comedy. You know, like both like Tibo Taj and her high guys turn. Like, you know, because he knows everything. So you have them all there, like just chilling and of course, and the queen has to arrive late, you know, and everyone is seated, and no one knows who's coming. Mm-hmm. It's all a mystery thing. Maybe we can start with like, ooh, but then my thing is that if Beyonce comes to South Africa, mm. I don't like, I'm, Beyonce is used to bougie things, like lifestyle, bougie-ness. I cannot out bougie Beyonce because bougie is her life. So I think I'd do like Lona's Mukhodune as a starter. Then mm-hmm. Dombolo, like mm. Dombolo, the one that she puts like chickpeas and not like in corn, like sweet corn kahari, mm-hmm. that. Ne? And then for the main, her lamb shank. Ooh. Mm. Maybe she can do like her Moroccan like, lamb shank. Ne? Mm. Just do that thing. And then the pap, pap, her cheese pap balls. She mm. makes these pap balls and then she puts like a mozzarella inside. Oh, yes. And, uh, and yeah. Oof, wow. She makes with those on the sides. Ne? And of course, you're like drinks for days, you know, like champagne, darling, champagne. <laughs> and then <laughs> what else can we have? Yeah. Ooh, dessert. You know? Now like even though I come across this bougie person, eh? mm. like I have like my rural country cocoa boy roots, mm. like deep, 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 deep inside me. Eh? Mm. And when I was little I used to have two sausage dogs. They were called jelly and custard. <laughs> so if someone can make like a modern day jelly and custard, yo, it's over. Like okay. Jillian Custard Maybe with Termasu Just for those But sorry Like I've seen the world up here, The bit of mm-hmm. And like Jillian Custard Termasu Okay Alright I mean I've already said You know And, 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 and I think I don't need to say this I mean You, you, you are sharp-witted And I find you Hilarious <laughs> I mean Have the producers Called you To be one of the roasters On the roast Of Stomisi Yo I would give my left nipple To do that Like <laughs> So Maisie is an ancestor, you know, and to be such a on honor, like literally, like which house look at? Like I'd love that so much. Like I don't understand. Like they're sleeping on me, hey. Like but when on the roast, they are sleeping on me. So maybe after the show, they might just no. They must. Oh, you, enter. Or you can speak to Gareth because Gareth, Gareth. Gareth is one of the oh, roasters. Oh. <laughs> it's Gareth. Maybe he'll put in good word for you. I, I don't know. We'll, yes, we'll no, go he look has for him. To. No, we'll he look has for him to. After like, the show. Oh, I'd love to roast so Maisie. Yo, yo. No, I'd love to. I'd have so much fun. Like, actually, on my way here, I was actually thinking about that common thing, how I'd roast them. You know? Like, remember when he disappeared, like, all the boys that spend his money? Like, for a phase, when he disappeared. Like, you know, there's so many things that you can just go against the music about. And also, he's got a personality and he's humorous. So, I know he'd be able to laugh at you with himself. You mm-hmm. And now, and, and who would you like roasted next after some music? Mm, roasted. Helen Zilla. Oh, I'd love to roast Helen. Like, she'd be so much fun to host. Oh, Juju. Like Julius Malema, just have him there. Oh, who else? Hmm, who, who's South Africa? 
cunning bow. Because, you know, like, ever since she stopped being a black person, there's so many more things to go at her about, you know? Hasn't she been roasted? Huh? She has. She has been roasted? I think so. Oh, okay. Or she was one of the roasters. Oh, yeah, I, okay. I, but I, I remember seeing some, and, and she is very sharp. No, she is. Sharp. Have you seen her clapbacks on Twitter? No, 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 not on t- I, but I've always known Kanye. It's like she's always wearing tights, the Vaseline, who ready for her. Now, you know, like when said girl bring my Vaseline, mm. that's Kanye, like she's always ready. And those claws, umo. So, bringing Sizwe Lomo and Kanye Mbao, <sighs> do you think it will work or yeah. for them to go against no, each other? No, Sizwe Lomo and Euphonic. Oh, mm. no, no, but no, that, was, that was bad. Shame. That was no, bad. That would be my favorite. That'd be so much fun. <laughs> you, you are so controversial. Wow, you are so. Or even if you have like Eusebius Makaiza, maybe we can have him with you. Who doesn't like Eusebius? <laughs> white people. Yeah, Eusebius against white people. Hmm. <laughs> I kill okay. the column, the racist. Uh-huh. Okay. So now, the other day you tweeted this, and uh, it's important that I read it out. Okay. Because I want you to. I'm, I'm curious as to what prompted it. So you tweeted people that benefit from gay culture yes. but don't care about LGBTI rights. Yes. Straight people are really white people, end quote. Yeah. Now I've come to the this may be low key controversial, mm-hmm. but I believe that you know how with a lot of Black Lives Matter, a lot of black people have come to the understanding that as black people we are on our own type of thing when it comes to Economic freedom, you know, and just finding our way in the world. And as gay people, we have that. The thing about me is the fact that as Simon, Simon Goli, he was like a gay activist. And one thing which resonates with me all the time is that I am black. I'm also gay. And those two things, I cannot separate them because as a black person, I am oppressed. And as a gay man, I'm also oppressed. And I cannot fight about my freedoms as a black person and they ignore my freedoms as a gay person. And then the thing with South Africa and with liberation is that it's always about the black struggle. And then black uh, LGBTI rights are always seen as a luxury. We have so many of very vocal public personalities who will say about how, who benefit from the gay community. They are supported by the gay community. They have gay makeup artists, gay stylists, gay best friends. And then they will travel to countries which are homophobic and go work there. They'll go promote, like, people out there about, oh, Zanzibar, come to Tanzania. It's so amazing. When South Africans are being arrested in Tanzania for being gay or to go represent LGBTI rights, you know, when people, when lesbian women are being killed daily in South Africa, lesbian women and trans women are the most marginalized members of society, especially in South Africa. When most people are fighting for women's rights, they exclude lesbian women and trans women. And also I tend to find that a lot of South Africa is homophobic and South Africa is extremely transphobic. Lesbian women, like anything that resembles a woman which does not fit within a mold of society, they South Africans feel entitled to it and feel they need to control it and tell you who you should be and how you should be, you know. And if we had public figures who actually stood up and be like, no, this is wrong. Even me as an entertainer, there are moments when I'm, I'm told that I need to fit into a certain gay mold for me to pull off, to pull off the gay properly, you know. And I think that it's one of those things I always fight. I'm like, you know what? Being gay is not this copy and paste view. And we need to start showing different interpretations of what it is to be gay. And we need to actually start showing that as a gay person, we should not be explaining ourselves 
And we should not be needing to apologize. Like, I get so annoyed when someone says, I accept gay people. Who are you to accept me? Go accept yourself. Go accept your imperfections. Like, straight people are doing the most out there, hey? Like, go do you, bro. Like, I'm minding my business. Like, I'm out check kissing boys, combing beer. Like, what that got to do with you? Hmm. Sure. Profound. Complete the sentence. Okay. <laughs> what I know for sure is... That my mama loves me. <laughs> Why do you... Okay. You, you, you know that your mama yeah. loves you, for sure. Why do you loathe Jay-Z? Oh, my thing, because I love Beyonce. Like, if you love light, you have to hate darkness. It's obvious. Like, I think as a human being, every single day, the most important thing to do when you wake up is look into the mirror and face yourself and ask yourself, what would Beyonce Giselle Knowles do? Hmm. You know, the fact that she forgave that dusty guy, like, (laughs) it's really, really admirable. Like, she's a saint. Like, we take for granted what... Beyonce means the world Like I cannot see any other woman Who'd give that big-lipped Dusty man a chance <laughs> Like she did Like she literally made his career He's so ungrateful He's a great example of why We need to take a break from men For like a year Like take all the straight men Put them in a camp somewhere So that we can just You know Detox And then bring them back When you're ready You know Wow Because I mean <laughs> I, I went through, I went through your, your, your Twitter timeline He makes line. me so mad I, And I, I used to I love know, him hey? He made me so mad if, each and every one of your tweets, you don't, I mean, you mention the name Jay-Z and you will always mention Dusty. Cause he's a dusty ass man. Like, he's ungrateful. Like, imagine a whole entire Beyonce. Like, she dares looks at you. A whole entire Beyonce Giselle knows. <laughs> ah, wow. You know, ba- based on some of your tweets, I know you have an opinion on the following people and brands. Mm. I'm going to read out those <laughs> names and I want the first word that comes to your mouth. Just mm-hmm. one word. You ready? Okay, I'm ready. Ianla Vansant. Who? Ianla Vansant. Oh, trash. <laughs> Kanye West. <gasps> hey, boo. <laughs> one word. <laughs> <laughs> Oprah. Mama. Alexander McQueen. <gasps> I miss you. One word. Miss. <laughs> H&M. Garbage. Karl Lagerfeld. Diva. Film Pella. Who that? Jay-Z. Dusty, 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 dusty. <laughs> oh, wow. You, you know what? You, you are... You are crazy. Uh, I'm not I'm me. You, you are crazy. So now you you mentioned already that you were a full presenter for a soccer show. I mean, yeah. you, you don't you don't you don't strike me as, as somebody. I mean, I know you I know you you passionate about hockey. I mean, you were part of the first. You made first team in in high school. I played first is, team hockey, first team rugby. I actually enjoy sports. Like I literally sit and watch athletics the whole day. I can is, sit. Is it is it too? Perv on, Not on, even on, no. Is it to perv I, on the players I thoroughly Did you see my Casta Semenya um, Video that went viral on Twitter No What happened Well I, There was this video Where when Casta was running The 800 I was busy doing the voice Over over the video You know And it went viral And then Super Sport Because it's jealous And you know Like the hate on my swag They told me about I don't have rights To have that video up Yada 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 Fish paste Whatever But that's not the point The point is that I was bomb So like <laughs> mm-hmm. Okay So you do know A bit about soccer and I actually enjoy the, sports the, Like 
you know, the old sad rule. So uh, I grew up, my mom is like a soccer fanatic. Mm. So was my stepdad and so was my little brother. I literally grew up around soccer by force. Like, bo hanem kelele. Like, bo no, ponyani. Like, those are my days of soccer. And I used to, I remember I used to like be forced to watch soccer. So I'd be sitting with my mom watching soccer while making clothes for my dolls. Because like my mom used to buy me soccer stuff, but she used to buy me dolls as well. So I'd be making clothes for my dolls while I'm watching soccer with my mom. And my little brother sometimes would trick me and he'd make me watch soccer repeats with him. So I'd end up knowing who the players are. And of course you see like a cute, also if like if you meet a really cute guy and like he's into soccer, then you know you're like, oh my glory, like you pretend like you're into soccer. Like, yeah, bro, like that's so cool. Oh man, oh, oh Arsenal sucks, bro. Yeah, hey, Arsenal sucks. <laughs> <laughs> wow. So now, yeah, yeah okay. Mm. You are an entertainer. So now, Nzigelelo posted a video of Rihanna the other day. Who? Okay. Don't worry about the name. Yeah. Mm. With I love Rihanna, but why does she look like a high beast Ray Mysterio? Your response: I really don't understand this look. She has Sonia's shoes on. Ladies are mass styling, and then finished off looking like Ray Mysterio after yes. picking up his new balaclava. He's grand knitted. No, like I love Riri. Like I totally die for Rihanna. Like if I had to like give up my grand. Over Rihanna, I definitely choose Rihanna. But that outfit though, like those shoes, it's like she went to Sonia Taung's closet and like literally took everything. Like, yeah, girl, thanks. Yeah, go Coachella, you know. <laughs> oh, and, uh, okay. Yeah. Uh, oh, so it wasn't the Sonia, the me. No, the no, Sonya, no, no, no. Not Sonia Taung. The, oh, the former see. journalist chick. Oh, I see. Have you seen her shoe collection? No. Yo, like she almost got kicked off Twitter for her shoes. Like she has this thing where she'll buy these expensive shoes and these shoes look like fireman's boots and kind of the blessed are like, no, like, you know, the blessed are not chatting about dimpy. Those <laughs> shoes look like that. Like, <laughs> uh-huh. not your shoes, girl. You know, you stay uh, slim with them okay. uh, daddy long legs. Mm, wow. Okay. So you caught feelings. And I, 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 I wanted to retweet and say which Sunday. Next time you must be specific. Ah, girl. I'm sure your caramelo is like, Papa, look what he did this boy. What did your caramelo say? Why didn't, why didn't, why didn't you, why didn't you put her Twitter handle there? You, you scared that she was going to come for you. She's going to drag me. The next time go drag her back. And I also respect my elders. Like, she's a senior, so you know. Wow, did you didn't, you didn't say that. No, she's like older. Like, I remember I was so near. Like, we used to look up to her when I was little. Like, you know, like reading her name in the papers. <laughs> wow. No comment on your side. <laughs> you, you don't remember. I, I think, I'm sure she's written a thing or two about you, hasn't I, I she? Think, I think I think you're gonna have a few lawsuits after this because yo, you've touched no, people no, on their studio. Imagine I said nothing as nothing but nice. Like I so nice. <laughs> yeah, you know what? So bluebed. Yes, madam. Tabo, Mafisa. I love how real and carefree you are. I think that's, I remember the first time I was doing an interview, like my first time ever on camera and I was so nervous and my producer made me fly to Cape Town by myself. So, and I've never been on TV before. And one thing she told me is like, the best thing you can ever do is always be yourself. And that's what I always carry with me. Like just be yourself and everything will be okay. Hmm. Okay. Because, you know, also it took me a very long time to fall in love with myself. And once that happened for me, your shame. I'm never letting go, you know. Mm. It's like Kim and Kanye. Like, you know how much Kim loves Kanye? It's that vibe. <laughs> he he really does. Yeah. 
you, 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 I, I think I saw this on, um, one of your blogs. You, you had a, a blog on, what is it? Tum- a Tumblr. A Tumblr? Yeah. So, like, usually on Tumblr, what I've been doing is, I've been getting, like, you know what Tumblr helps? If you just, like, a creative, gonna get your stuff out there. So I just use Tumblr to put some of my inspirations, favorite things, and stuff like that. Like my, my main focus was, you know, like Instagram now, cause yo, but cause you know how Instagram's for people who like shower every day. And for me, that's just like so much effort. So literally I've been making so much effort every day. Like, oh, tower clap, you know, like. Did you come up with that, <laughs> by the way? Cause I saw that tweet. No, yeah, I did like, girl, it's the truth though. Like, Sonia, like, you know how much pressure is. Look, look at your clothes. Like, usually I'll just put my clothes on. When I go on Instagram, like, oh, but you call or like, is it fine? Okay, like, does it not look affordable? Because the minute you start, start looking affordable, they'll drag you. You know, like, how, how are my teeth looking? My eyebrows, like, they're even. It's pressure, pressure. Instagram. Like, sometimes I just want to cry when I have to go post on Instagram. Mm. Like, you have to think about be creative and you have to curate. Mm. Like, whose idea was that thing? That your, like, Instagram account has to look like an art gallery. Oh, that thing drains me so much. But you're still on it. You gotta do it, girl. Like, pay the bills. Like, mm-hmm. like cabbage and cute. Like, mm-hmm. nothing wrong with cabbage. Cabbage and cute. Stop it. Nothing. <laughs> it, it's it's my favorite dish. It, there's nothing wrong with cabbage. Because oh, you no for you cabbage is like an alternative because you know you live that lifestyle. Wow. Go to suburbs, you know, with like our puppy cocoa, like. My, my, my husband and I and our puppy Coco, like, we love cabbage. It's like, it's so savory. These days. Oh my word. You are ungovernable. Thank you so much for spending the hour with me. Can you believe the hour is already, wow. is already up? Yeah. So now I'm going to end off the show. Normally I do my humble opinion, but in your words, yes. Bluebird, because these are beautiful words and mm-hmm. can form an opinion because it's either for you or it's not for you. Yeah. So I quote you, others have seen what is and asked why. I have seen what could be and asked, why not? You are essentially who you create yourself to be. And all that occurs in your life is the result of your own making. Love that. 100%. 100%. Like, that's how I live my life. Like, that's it. Like, that's the only way life is. You are life. You create life. You don't live it. You are life's create. Like, you create life. Like, you're in charge. It's all on you. Hmm. Wow. You see why I had you on the show? You see why I invited you to be my guest? Thank you so much. Thank you so much. And all the best in all your other endeavors. I, I know, so I know you've got, you're busy and I know you're working on a whole you lot know, of projects and I'm trying myself out and I'm just waiting, like, you know what? Work hard. Hope, uh, take any opportunity that comes your way and the universe will make the means for you, you know? Mm. I'm always like, for me, it's like always stay positive, always do something. And also one thing I know is that Nothing lasts forever. Like whether you know if you're in a bad space, you're going through a tough time, nothing lasts forever. It gets better and you look back and you're just like ha ha ha, ha. Yeah, that was me. Ha! Look at me now. Mm, <laughs> my face is glowing now. You see? Uh-huh. Okay. Travel, thank you so much. Aspire to inspire before you expire. I'm out. Adios. This is Cliffcentral.com.